Last year, we made nine predictions on changes to the online marketing and SEO industry. In today's podcast, we will look back and see how right or wrong we were back then. We will also make seven new predictions for 2019 based on nothing else than our biased field experience. We also, for the first time ever, have some guest predictions from Matt Diggity and Karu from SIA. So let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. So let's jump straight into it. And before we actually jump into the predictions we are going to make for next year, for 2019, we're actually going to revisit the ones we've made in 2018 and see how bad we were so that you can for sure not listen to anything we say after that for 2019. Mark, do you want to get started with what we said? Sure. So the first one, and I believe it was me that said this, I'm only admitting to that because it was kind of right. Content truthfulness will matter more is what I said would happen in 2018. And I think there's there's an element of truth to this. Get it? (laughs) There's an element of truth to this. I think that the August update, August 4th, whenever it was, update of 2018, and the subsequent smaller updates, which seem to be iterative effects of that, whether or not it was deliberately targeted at this, it did have the effect of, in many niches, marginalizing, shall we say, pseudoscience type results, particularly in health. Big guys like Dr. Axe, and uh, even health ambition to an extent. Dr. Rax is now a verb, right? Getting Dr. Rax is, is something that people say now. Right. They, I mean, they were a huge site. They had, I think, 8 million monthly visits, according to Ahrefs, anyway. Huge, huge site. And they ranked for all sorts of health and wellness type terms. Whereas now, if you Google most of those terms, Healthline seems to be number one, or there's a couple other sites as well. And that basically is a more scientifically accurate result, I would say. So in that regard, I feel that, yes, content truthfulness is mattering more. Now, whether or not that was that's just a correlation or whether it actually has something underlying in the algorithm about that, I don't know, but the effect occurred. So I think we can tick this one off. I think it's it's totally wanted. And if you remember the prediction 2016 for 2017, we said that after the US elections, the big tech companies would do some work to fight fake news, etc. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a direct response to this. It takes a long time to develop these things. And so it feels about right, the amount of time it took to develop and to get there, that they would just you know, put more emphasis on like factual accuracy of content, which was really not that important before. You could write anything about anything and still rank. I mean, just Google the keyword how to regrow your teeth. And that's a really good, <laughs> that's a really good place to just see what the kind of shit that ranks. I mean, that's a big keyword, actually. <laughs> which one was it as well? How to get rid of herpes is a good one as well. Spoiler, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But like, trust me, I haven't re-googled them since the update, but it would be a very good thing to actually do because all these things that would just not be technically possible with modern medicine, you would still get pages that would claim that there's some kind of remedy out there that would allow you to do this, you know, for this. And I'm pretty sure now it's, it's a lot cleaner, but we should definitely check. But I'm very, very sure that this is Google's first response to the fake news scandals that started in 2016, actually. Speaking of fake news, 
Actually, let's not go get into predictions for, for this year. Let's keep reviewing. <laughs> okay. The second one was Google Assistant will arrive on Chrome. Not really a good one. To some extent, it is there. So when you open a new tab on Chrome, you have like the voice search. And now the voice search is actually Google Assistant. It's not just the old voice search. You know, it came with the new the redesign of Chrome that came this year. But to be honest, it's like I thought it would be like, you know, next to your address bar or something. And it's not there. So I would not really count that, that one as accurate. You can access the Google Assistant from new tabs, but people don't even realize that. So I don't think it's, it's very big. Do you want to take the next one? Yeah, so we said that cryptocurrency will become the new fad. Bearing in mind, we recorded last year's one in the start of December 2017. And I think we were correct in our assessment. We just kind of got the timing wrong because by the end of January, it seemed to have died down a lot. And everyone who was a cryptocurrency investor seemed to stop doing that after that point in time. So yeah, it was a it was an issue. It was a thing for a while, and I did notice a lot of people like later on this year, two thousand eighteen, who had stopped working on authority sites, started to get back into it and say, "Okay, this is maybe more a sensible long term option rather than the crypto stuff." Yeah, let's not talk more about cryptos, but yeah, a lot of a lot <laughs> of people I've seen. Didn't come back and be like, you know, it's like, I, I never thought it was a good idea. I was like, hey, it's not a real, like, it's not a marketable skill. It's just like you're putting some money on some stuff. Let's talk about the next one, though. So the next one was the Google News Feed, the one you find in Google Now on Android, or all just on the Google app on iPhone. Will come to the desktop. So I thought that it would come to new tabs, actually. It does. It hasn't. And it's something that they could have introduced with the Chrome design as well. It hasn't in any shape or form. So this one is completely wrong, actually. So that didn't work out. We also said that people will trust voice search to make decisions for them more. This was kind of on the basis of there was a progression curve when you started using Google Maps to you started just automatically trusting it more than your own sense of direction, which is what, what I do now. So this hasn't really happened, but at the same time, we don't really have a way to measure whether this has happened or not. So maybe it's just other people are doing it, but we're not. Personally, I don't really use Google Voice Search that much, and I don't know too many people, or I don't observe too many people who do. Therefore, it's kind of hard to get a, a feel for what's going on. No, the thing that's really popular now is uh, Amazon Echoes and Alexa, actually. So what's funny mm -hmm. is it seems like Voice Search, there's definitely a shift happening and it's very worrying for Google in case voice search becomes something that takes more market share in terms of searches in general, you know, because what's happening now is essentially Amazon just like has this open API where like everyone can put it in every gadget they have. So when you look at technology show, trade shows like CES in January, et cetera, and all the companies release their kind of like smart products and smart home stuff, everything everything is compatible with Amazon Alexa because it's like the API is very easy to use. But Google, it only works when you're running Android, essentially. It's like if you need to run the full Android, but like many smart devices just don't run an operating system, you know, or they don't run something like this. And so... Uh, it's really interesting. I, I saw a Kickstarter, I think it was, for this device which would vacuum seal your avocados because, you know, that's such an important thing. And uh, it had Amazon Alexa built into it. And I was thinking that's kind of... Seems a bit yeah. over the top, but that's interesting that, it's, that they make it so easy for those purposes. Yeah, it's like it's the one that it's they're just an open API, right? They're like the WordPress of voice assistants, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's like you know you can be a developer and plug into it and add new comments, etc. And so as a result, they're like 
taking massive market share in all these like smart home stuff, etc. It's not really on your phone yet. It's it's one thing that is something I don't know how they're going to address it, but for smart home stuff, it's like I know many more people that have an Amazon Echo at home over a Google Home, and I'm actually looking for like my new place now and. To be honest, it feels like even though I use Android, it's like it would make more sense to just get the Amazon one. Also, the voice assistants for home, uh, the Amazon ones, they're literally like less than half the price than the Google ones when you buy them on like Black Friday or sales or whatever. So it's really much. They're very aggressive at discounting those as well, I see. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very, very cheap. I mean, you can get some for like $29 or $19 even, I think, when it's discounted. It's very, very cheap. And so, yeah, voice search, I wouldn't say it's big yet, but I would say for purchases and especially if Amazon starts to take over, it's going to be really powerful to the point where it's a little bit worrying for review sites, to be honest. Like, I, I don't think it's going to change anything in the, in the immediate future, but in like, you know, if you just say, hey, Alex, I find me the best protein bar or something and then they just like recommend directly from amazon and you buy you know who knows i think as i said i think it'll take a while for people to yeah. start trusting them more but let's see how that goes this is like a really long-term future thing it's definitely not next year and we're not putting voice search back this year uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the next one was um the there will be the first ai written blog post so there was not a blog post written this year so i wouldn't say like in terms of blog posts this is wrong however Alibaba now has an AI that passes the Turing test that can write product descriptions. So when you compare the product description written by the AI and the product description written by the average Alibaba copywriter, then the AI one would be at least as good as the human one. Is that the actual test, though? Because, uh, you know, Alibaba copywriters are somewhat dubious in terms of their writing ability, at least from some of the descriptions I've seen in the past. Not in Chinese, I think. The, the problem okay, is like you're, you're judging Alibaba in uh, in English, and of course it's like it's not like let's go and judge Amazon's Chinese, you know, and and you know you can't judge Amazon based on that, right? Um, okay, but like, we're talking about the Chinese language here, but now they do use AI to write their product descriptions. So I guess half a point here, like there's AI that can write it, it can't write full blog posts yet, although I'm, maybe there is already some stuff that is experimental. But product descriptions it is being used right now, and uh, and yeah, AI is writing content that could essentially rank in Google. That's which is a very interesting turning point for what we do as well. Mm -hmm. The next one is I'll take this one. Is Google Lens will become more prominent? I like the wording of this one because it's actually factually true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't specify how much more pro prominent they would become. It's uh, so. Google Lens, if you don't know what it is, it is the search with your camera. So you can, let's say, point your camera at a shop, and then it's going to look at the photo and identify what it is. Or like, I, I try it on my dog, you know, I put, I point my camera at my dog, and it's like, oh, it's a Yorkie, it's probably this age, this age, etc. cetera. Uh, and it figures it out. And so it is more prominent in the sense that it is built in most camera apps now, like default camera apps. If you have a Samsung, if you have a OnePlus, if you have a Google Pixel, if you have a, you know, a Xiaomi phone and a few others, it is in the default app. And it's just that there's this little square with like a circle in the middle type icon. And if you click on it, it's going to essentially use Google search to give you information about what's on your camera right now. So it is more prominent. How many people use it? Pretty much nobody. 
<laughs> do, do, do you do you sometimes wonder where maybe you know everyone under the age of 25 is actually using it and we're just too old and we're getting to that point where we can't keep up with technology anymore That's i mean like, i do but you don't um <laughs> <laughs> no i'm kidding I, I i actually do use it a little bit i think it's more like people yeah people just have their their ways of using their phones etc and they don't really change you know like the same way your grandparents still listen to the radio um and it might be what is happening. I just don't see Google being a very trendy thing with younger people as well. I, I'm, it's like they've more like post a snap on Snapchat and be like, hey, what is this building? And people will reply and stuff like that. More than I would see them use Google Lens, but I, I might be wrong, you know? But yeah, it's like, I mean, I, Google Lens is not like, they're kind of like building it into a product where it doesn't take too much space, but it's not something that you see a lot of people talk about, you know? Even mm -hmm. when you look at the stats on search engine land or something like that, people don't talk about it yet. It's it's surprising because it's really powerful, but it's still a little bit experimental. But it's probably one of these products that would be much bigger. Probably is going to take more than one year. Probably is going to take two, three years. I think we're a little bit ambitious on this one or excited from Google I.O. or whatever. But it is it is definitely more prominent. Though. Like Maybe people will start using it. Maybe sometimes, you know, these things... They would just require just a change of UI in your camera or something like this, and then eventually people will use it, you know? Like, maybe what will happen is you will take a photo, and then it will analyze it, and it will give you information when you check it in a gallery, for example, you know? And then all of a sudden, you'll be like, oh, that's kind of useful information, and then you start using it. Yeah, um, that's a good point, actually. I think, I think that will drive a lot more use than actually just saying, hey, it's available, because most people probably don't keep up with the latest Android releases or whatever. Yeah, so I think I think it's like it's, they're, they're placing it just at the just around the corner, and then a couple of changes of usage will actually push it forward a lot more. And for Google, it's great they capture more searches. And also, it just kind of like it kind of goes over the the weirdness of voice search. Like if you're in the street, you know, like do you want to talk to your phone in the street? No, <laughs> but taking a photo, it's less of a problem, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the next one is, you said, updating content will become more important. Again, I'm realizing a trend here. We didn't really specify how much more important or in what case it would be more important. So it's a smart kind of goal, you know. Hard, yeah, it's, not hard, it's kind of hard to assess whether or not this is correct. I don't think algorithmically there has been much in the way of content freshness updates over the last year, per se. I do feel personally the impact of more people more competition more high authority sites in in certain niches competing and some of our older content on some sites has kind of gotten a little bit out of date even on authority hacker some of the stuff's quite a really? bit out of date we're doing a big content audit at the moment and uh yeah i think you just started writing your first new blog post in six months or so today uh yeah yeah you're, you're generous like a Real blog post on a toy hacker is like a year and a half, you know? Like, it's a, it's like I've been editing a lot of, like, I've been editing all the content that came up, like, cause blog post, you know, I rewrote the whole intro, etc. <laughs> like, I, I write, but like, never under my name, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I edit all the content, but like, for once, I'm actually writing something properly. Yeah, but it's been a while. The point I guess I was trying to make, though, is that we put out a lot of content, which was good at the time. Fast forward a few years and more people yeah. are competing in the space. They're producing equally good, sometimes even better content, and we need to up our game. So it's more a case of being aware of having to go back and update content rather than 
if content is older than two years, de-index or any kind of rule like that, which is absolutely not what's no. It's just like the level of competition really has raised up. I mean, a, a keyword, uh, like I've been doing a kind audit for Atari Hacker recently in the last few weeks. So like a, a good keyword example would be like best keyword research tool. So we used to rank uh, probably top three for this. And now we're like page three or something. Like it's quite bad, but it's deserved because it's really old. And if you look at what the search results look like when we wrote the article and what they look like today, it's everyone's new and everyone's trying way harder than they used to. This used to be like a, a small affiliate type query, you know, like, well, I feel like shitty IM sites would, would try and rank for it. And that was easy to just come in and take top three. Now it's I like Ahrefs is here and WhatStream is here and Neil Patel is here and like all the big guys. And now it's like the, the keyword difficulty, I think is like 60 something. It's like to a point where I'm like, is it even worth competing for this keyword? I think um, it's like similar to this case with the, uh, was it the four minute mile where for hundreds of years, people were, had this psychological barrier to run a mile in under four minutes and then as soon as someone did it just loads of people started being able to do it there was no new shoes or technology or anything that changed that it was more a psychological understanding that hey this is possible i think there's something sort of true with that with with content as well i'm not saying this is because we originally wrote great content and then everyone sees how great it can be and copying that the thing would change this industry you know no i'm not what i'm saying (laughs) at all but it makes sense that as more sites come into an industry, everyone uh, new ideas are brought in and people are taking the best components of ideas from different people and really pushing the overall quality of, of new content up to up several notches. And that basically means that everyone else has to compete at that new level. But they're, they're also aware that it's possible to go there. So businesses start to be built around high quality content as opposed to just, oh, let's throw up a 500 word article on that keyword. Yeah, pretty much. And that's exactly what happened for that one query. I think it's important to talk about exact examples that definitely happened. And so it's like, it's not Google who wants that. It's just the level of competition is rising and it depends on your niche. I mean, some niches are also like not that competitive or not moving very much like small niches that, you know, that are evergreen. It, it, this phenomena happens a lot less. Yeah. And we see that on some of our other sites. But for a niche like online marketing, et cetera, it is, it is definitely happening. And you will need to do a lot more of that. And also, people have also, I think there's been a, a realization as well that updating old content is more productive than creating new content in terms of new visitors, et cetera, for your website. And it's something that has really printed in marketers' mind this year. That, you know, before before everyone was running a content meal, I mean, even Neil Patel stopped blogging all the time now. Who, who would believe that? And now people are realizing that, well, you already have hundreds of pages ranking for keywords. If you can push them from before to number one, this is going to be such a massive gain over taking another gamble on another keyword. Yeah. And uh, it is definitely something that is very well integrated by marketers now. Our final prediction for 2018 was that net neutrality the repealing of net neutrality won't be a big deal. Just to be clear, we completely support net neutrality and we were in favor of it staying in place, the existing rules. However, it, they were repealed. And so in the US, this is the, these were the Obama era net neutrality laws. So they've kind of rolled that back and nothing happened. Nothing bad happened. None of the horror stories which were predicted occurred. So yeah, no big deal really.
Yeah, I guess you did a better job than me in 2018. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's talk about 2019 right away. So the first one is there will be some kind of reversal of the medic update, August 2018 update. And uh, to be honest, there's been already a lot of shakeups. I mean, if you check, we have checked a lot of sites on like Ahrefs, SimilarWeb, et cetera, and we've seen sites that go down and up and down and up. And, you know, so Google doesn't really know what they want at this point. And uh, we also have a lot of queries and examples, both for our sites and for other sites, where there's just absolutely garbage sites ranking above our own website or like, you know, other people's website to a point where it just makes no sense. Like it, it, Google cannot leave this like this. It just makes search worse in the long term. It's not good for them. But also I wanted to say that there's always this phenomenon with new updates, right? New updates are at the beginning, you have two sides. You have the winners and you have the losers. And there's a big, big divide, a big rift in between these two. And you're either on one side or the other. That's definitely what happened with this update. That happened also with the Panda update, that happened with the Penguin update, that happened with all the big updates. And what happens is over time, Google releases new versions and new versions and new versions. And rather than having two sides, then Google is slowly rebuilding the space in between the winners and the losers. And you know they take some of the winners and they put them back down a bit. They take some of the losers, they put them back up a bit, up to a point where you get back to a normal slope of progression of websites, where it's just like a smooth line between the top sites and the the smaller sites and and we start again and I do another update and it smooths it over again, etc. So this year was a year of divide. This year was a year of putting people in the winner or the loser side. And next year is probably going to be the year of smoothing things out and just rebuilding that space that is now empty between the winners and the losers in terms of the medical date. So that is something that I wanted to say about this. you want to say something else about this update? Yeah, so I do think it will sort of slightly reverse for certain things. I don't think we're going to see any massive changes, complete rollbacks or, or anything like that. I think the impact of this update will be more significant, though, in terms of people's psychology. So I think we'll see a lot more people buying, selling their websites after the, the the shock of the update kind of sent a message to people that, hey, what you're doing isn't a ironclad, never going to change business. This is radical shakeups can happen without notice that can really wipe out your site. And in some cases, I've seen some horrendous traffic drops that like 90 plus percent of people's business. And these were making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. I know which one we're, we're, we're hit. So when these kind of things are occurring, people are going to be less kind of assured of their long-term potential uh, of websites. And therefore, they're more likely to, after they get a site doing well for a few years, maybe think about flipping it, think about cashing in, selling it. They'll be potentially thinking that this could happen again in some other way and they want to just make sure they're not going to lose everything overnight really yeah it's going to be it's going to be like that but i really think that it's going to smooth over it's going to be a much easier year to deal with next year in terms of this one update and i'm actually going to jump to another prediction that in, is in terms of google updates is i think that google will start looking into outreach link building slash even make an equally big update for links and I'm once again looking at what happened in the past. When the last time we had a big, big on-page update, which was, I mean, arguably the two biggest on-page updates in the last five years were Panda and Hummingbird. And almost every time after a, such update happened, 
there was a similarly big update regarding, regarding link building. So I think that Google will do something. We don't really know what they did with the medic update. So it's hard to tell like what they will do with the link one, but they will probably do something similar to what they've done with the, the spirit of the medic update, which is raising the bar essentially, and probably do that for link building as well. And, um, like what I was thinking as well is what happened when guest posting became really popular with like my blog guest, et cetera. Google did not kill guest posting. It's still working today. A lot of people use it today and it works. But when services like my blog guest became popular, which is essentially just a way to automate guest posting, Google was like, essentially went around and punished the most severe abuses of automated guest posting because that removed any kind of editorial value to the guest posts. And I could see similar things happening with link building next year, almost an algorithmic level, actually. So I, I, I definitely feel there's going to be something in the area. What do you think? I'm not 100% sure on this, to be honest. It's hard to really target in any way, you know, outreach link building, or it's hard to, to classify that because they're not really going to know which is a outreached link and which is not because there's a lot of things that their their crawler can't see in that regard. I do think that quality in general is always going to continually rise, but I think that's probably been the case for the last few years and it will continue to be continue to be the last the case for the next few years. So I I don't really I don't really think there'll be anything specific in this regard. No, I mean the way I would see the way I would if I was Google and I wanted to catch people who do shitling building, what would I do? I would probably Gmail. No, I would not. No, I don't. I don't think they would be legally allowed to do that. Uh, I think they would go into a lot of trouble if they get caught reading people's emails. I think what would probably happen is they would just take manual action against the biggest offenders that are really easy to find, and then find the, all the sites they get links from, look at these sites, look at correlations, and do correlation analysis. And machine learning is hard because they need a lot of data. I'm not sure they have enough. But they could start doing correlation analysis and start drafting an algorithm based on this and find common points of sites that are the biggest, two sites that are the biggest offenders and really dial it down a lot. So it, there's not a lot of false positives. Although, you know, we've seen with the medical update, they're not afraid of false positives, you know. Do you and, think they'll uh, go, they, they would go after paid links in this sense? You know, when you're doing guest posting outreach, be. like half the people will respond demanding money. Do you think we'll, we'll see any, any punishment for that at any point in future? I think it could be, but like that could go together with also sites that just like automatically accept any guest post, you know? Yeah. So, you know, you'll find these sites that just take any guest post and then, you know, you get all these shitty casino sites, et cetera, that get links from them. So they just need to look at these biggest offenders and then kind of reverse engineer the link profile, look at all these sites that are linked, that get links from these sites, kind of like look at their profiles and look at what they have in common, do correlation analysis, and then eventually start drafting the beginning of an algorithm there and then really make it really, really soft at the beginning. So that it just hits like a really marginal percentage of people who match and then just turn the it's dial not, if it works well, you know? If Google do do this, uh, and it's been my experience at least that, that, that Google tend not to be kind of slow and steady with this. They're more, let's let's go in with a bang and yeah. fuck everything up and then we'll fix it later. I could definitely walk at uh, Google, you know? <laughs> so do you think this is going to happen next year then? Next year or the year after? I mean, Penguin took two years to come after Panda, but they've been faster at releasing updates lately. So who knows? Could, could come next year. 
it really depends on their capacity and it depends on like how they're probably just going to do like in lab tests in the sandbox and then see how it turns out so it's hard i don't think they know themselves but what i know is every time there's been a major on-page update there's always been a major off-page update following up in the next two years you know okay so, so uh, let's let's see what happens Let's move on then. So we talked a little bit about regulation uh, when we talked about last year's predictions. So one of my predictions this year is that privacy regulation will continue to fail to police Google and Facebook in any meaningful way. We so we this year we had all sorts of things that came that sort of happened off the back of the Cambridge Analytica scandal, as they they call it. But really, that that's just kind of like the a small tipping point and there's many many more things going on and I, I don't really think people realize the extent to which you you like any advertiser on a platform like facebook can have really detailed information about an individual and market products to them now i think that's amazing as a as a product owner and someone who runs facebook advertising i don't care about the individual in terms of like who it is because we're not dealing with individuals, we're dealing with like big segments of, are, of anyway. people. We don't know who they are. So it doesn't really, there's no privacy issue there, really. There's just a fear that because Facebook has all this data, they can do bad stuff. And maybe they are, maybe they're they're not. I don't know enough about it to really comment on it. The Cambridge Analytica thing is clearly kind of shitty, shady rather. But I think what's not solved the problem is the like the European Union's response to it and like the big, big government responses to it, while it may be well-intentioned and to an extent necessary, I feel like they're just going to continually burden small, medium-sized businesses with this kind of regulation who don't have the the budget, the developers, the resources, the legal team to kind of work within any new frameworks they set out and uh, instead are just going to be, are just going to suffer for it and it's going to hinder innovation. I think GDPR, as well-intentioned as it was, didn't really do anything. I mean, there hasn't really been any major... Um, it sold a lot of info products. Yeah, it hasn't been, the only thing it really did was make a few lawyers quite wealthy in terms of their info products and take fucking ages of time to update privacy policies and other things which nobody ever reads and is going to make no tangible difference to users experience other than annoy the hell out of people with all these uh do you opt into our cookies pop-ups oh, yeah. on every site these days and give people hundreds of spam emails uh, last may when people were telling you they've updated the privacy terms but i'll stop ranting about that now and just let you know that there's a new regulation which is being worked on called PECR, Privacy and Electronic Communication Regulation, I think it is, which is like GDPR 2.0 on steroids or something. So I think that's coming out this year. I need to double check that. But it'll be one of these things that when it does, people sort of panic about it. And most likely there'll be no real negative connotations for any site owner. But there you go. Yeah. What about the, so there's a new EU law as well that's been worked on on the right to link or like you have to pay to link out to people what is that about no 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 okay so this is it's called the link tax but it's not actually about linking uh, it should be called the snippet tax because it's about snippets uh, so when google news will post a short snippet of the news story on the google news page uh, it's basically that they're saying that google is using the copyright of that 
site owner or that newspaper on their site and they there should be a mechanism to pay the newspaper for that appearance and it can impact sites like reddit as well in a in a major way so yeah lots of people are kind of against this and one one interesting way where it could affect google actually is I've seen this year on the vacuum cleaner SERP, where if you search for best vacuum cleaners, then uh, I think this was in the US, then Google was actually pulling what one affiliate site had recommended. So they had five vacuum cleaners and they said, these are the five best vacuum cleaners. Google put that in the featured snippet. But above that, they put Google shopping links to those five vacuum cleaners. So they were kind of monetizing someone else's recommended recommended products in a, in a way that's somewhat dubious. So I, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like this EU link tax thing would probably affect things like that, which Google is trying to do quite significantly. So it could actually be, for authority site owners, it could be a, a good thing. So does that mean they will reduce featured snippets in Europe? I don't know. I really don't know enough about it. Do you want to make that prediction? <laughs> because no. it seems like that's the level of certainty we have with the rest. So it's like... No, because I, I think that Google has a big enough legal team to figure out a way around it, as they do in, in most cases. So it's not going to affect them, but it may affect sites like Reddit in a negative way, who, as, as, while it's still a big organization, is, is much has much, much fewer resources and is not not really quite so commercial as, as Google, I would say. The, the, I want to also add that in addition to, I think that's Article 11, Article 13 of this link tax law or whatever, it's, it's around platforms like Facebook having to monitor all content that gets uploaded and make sure that it's not copyright. So I think YouTube already does this quite well, yeah. but I saw in the past few years, Facebook, not really doing such a good job of it. People were like uploading people's face YouTube videos to Facebook and then monetizing them. And that was getting all the viral traffic and a bunch of interesting stuff like that. Again, oh, so you bought that WSO as well. No, no. <laughs> again, <laughs> though, again, though, Facebook, Google, they have no problem in dealing with these regulations. They'll just have their dev team bang something out in a few days. Easy. But smaller organizations, smaller platforms, new startups, it's going to hit them and it's going to hit innovation in a, in a big way. So another, another thumbs down, I think, to the, the EU in, in that regard. And uh, the, the third thumbs down is, and you would be forgiven for thinking I'm anti-EU. I'm not. I'm very much pro-EU. And I also, side note, what I think... What did you vote in the UK my, referendum? I, I didn't vote, but my prediction, I'm saying this in December 2018, my prediction is that Brexit will be cancelled. I really hope it is. Anyway, um, the, I the think area... I slightly out of the scope of this podcast, <laughs> but... Uh... The area where I think regulation will not be enough is around artificial intelligence. And I, I don't think the robots are taking over next year. Don't worry about that. I just think it, it's it's something, it's a conversation that needs to be had around artificial intelligence. We need to get more serious and get people in office who kind of understand it because nobody right now does. And until that happens, there will never be any actual discussion about it, I think. so. It would be nice if AI could just do the podcast. And, uh, <laughs> Maybe it is. You don't know. Nobody yeah. knows. Until I came to conferences, I just told people I'm some Google AI project. So, No, that's actually a good point. So two years ago, I think it was, I saw this technology demo where people were able to 
it was like Photoshop, but for audio and video. So you can basically record a sample of people's voice and then make it say whatever you want. And now you can do that with like their, their face and lip sync and all yeah. that stuff. That's maybe more it's interesting. Deep fakes. That's called deep fakes if you want to Google it and okay. learn about it. It's, it's, it's quite interesting and it's very, it's very tied to graphics card technology. So like the new NVIDIA cards, et cetera, they have all this technology to produce this deep face. Like before you needed some like three, $4,000 graphic card to do that. Now you can do this with a $1,000 graphic card because the ray tracing technologies, et cetera, allow you to do this on a consumer level, which is going to change things a lot. It's going to be very challenging for YouTube because uh, I could be near Patel tomorrow. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do it. It's not me, guys. It's going to usher um, in a whole new era of fake news then. <laughs> yeah, this is, we, were, we were getting out of the scope. Um, <laughs> let's go back to authority sites. I think one thing that will come next year as a very early thing is AMP, the technology that is used by Google to speed up uh, loading for pages on mobile is going to slowly become a ranking factor on mobile search. Now that we have the mobile search as the main index, I think that Google is marking already AMP pages on its search results. And so it's showing that they're already giving it a little bit of extra highlight. And so I think that 10 tip, like they will just do a little, little thing, you know, like when they introduced PageSpeed at the beginning, where it was a 0.1% ranking factor. I think they will introduce that, uh, that for ranking on mobile. So I think, I think that's one thing that's going to come out. Let's see what happens. It's not too bad to implement technically, but it's another version of your site and it's, it's more things to maintain, et cetera. It's not the easiest thing, especially with forms and with ads, et cetera. It can be complicated. But it's, I don't think it's going to matter much next year, but they will start introducing it be like, hey, you should probably switch to AMP so that you rank high on mobile. I think that another thing that's going to change is affiliate marketing will lose a little bit of ground to uh, funnels. And funnels can be for physical products or, or info products. Uh, but essentially just getting your own offer, your own products that you're selling on your site rather than promoting Amazon or something like that. I mean, I feel it's still going to do well. But now running your own funnels on your own sites, there's more and more tools that make this easier and cheaper. And, you know, it's kind of like building a site 10 years ago versus building a site now. Funnels, I feel they're going through this transition now where you can almost build everything in drag and drop. Affiliate marketing is getting crowded. As a lot of people know, a lot of big media companies are targeting these queries for affiliate marketing, et cetera. So it is getting more competitive. And because of the higher profit, the fact that you will be able to own your niche and just go to niches that haven't been touched by affiliate marketing yet, I think there will be, even in general, more of a talk around yeah. getting out of the SEO Amazon combo, which is a great place to start. I still recommend it to start. It's still good for now. But I think as people evolve, they will move faster towards other traffic methods and other monetization methods. You know, I kind of am starting to disagree with this a little bit. I've seen okay. uh, in the second half of this year quite a few examples of people who had info products. Some were moderately successful or not so success successful info products. Just drop them completely and move, go full circle and go straight back to affiliate marketing, client work, whatever else they were doing previously because the hassle of running their own products, their own info products, their own groups, courses, all those kind of things was just too high. So I do wonder if it's maybe a case of 
like us looking through it in rose tinted glasses in a way, because it's worked quite well for us for whatever reasons, dumb luck or something in the middle. I'm not quite sure. Uh, maybe we're thinking it's the same for other people, but maybe it's not. So we don't even need to wait a year to disagree, right? <laughs> I think in regards to the SEO Amazon combination, I think as the market matures, and I think it's getting to a, a point of maturity now, there still has a more way to go. Most profitable markets have people in them. And yeah. it's still very, very easy to come in and, and dominate quite a few of those because there's like a lot of pretty average content, average sites out there so there's it, a lot of bad webmasters it's a very far from from over i think there's a long long way to go with that I, I think we'll see a lot more people moving diversifying within the affiliate world though like away from just amazon i would love to see some kind of competitor even if it was like a niche specific competitor kind of do it as well as amazon but they're just they're just so dominant right now that they, they I mean, really the, do for specific niches, there are like there are good alternatives. Like uh, it's like um, the guys who bought hip hop, they now use what's the name? Chewy. Uh, Chewy, and they make more money than Amazon. You know, they made the case study on their blog. That's why I can mention it. And so, so there, for niche specific, there is already some. But it's true that in many niches, Amazon is still the best alternative right now. And also, it's yeah. the, the least painful one. Just like getting an affiliate link, etc., is easy. Whereas, you know, when people have a shitty affiliate platform and you need to, like, make some special code to get a landing page and tracking IDs don't work, etc., like, it's much more difficult and painful. And as a result, people are like, ah, Amazon, and just do it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I still think that, you know, it's like, I don't think Amazon's going to increase their fees next year. <laughs> I don't think that's the direction they're taking. So yeah, I even saw something next. this year where I and I need to look into this actually, where they were offering some kind of charity donation thing oh, or yeah, something. Yeah. Amazon Smile, Amazon Smile, right? Yeah, I, I didn't see yeah. it specifically, but someone was saying, uh, and maybe you can verify. It this. removes commissions. Yeah, yeah, and so, but yeah. the the money Amazon was matching or donating was less than they would have paid commission. commission. So it was just a way yeah. to basically cut out affiliates and under the guise of yeah and i'm sure they get some uh they get they, they probably get some tax write-off for doing donations as well right yeah so they probably gain on both sides because it's like not counting as revenue or something like this you know there must be some real deep optimization there i'm pretty sure it's, it's also for tax but yeah so the, you basically send people to amazon as an affiliate and if people opt into amazon smile they just strip your affiliate commission because people made a donation Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, so that for, for these kind of things, I think people would diversify a bit, at least for Amazon. I also think that if Google stays as unstable as it is next year, people will diversify more from Google as well. You know, platforms like YouTube, Pinterest, Facebook ads, all of these are like quite interesting for traffic still. I'm seeing Pinterest work firsthand right now on some sites, working quite well again, like we're, we're figuring it out again. And, and it's easy traffic. And you know, especially if you're mixing these things. So like Pinterest together with Facebook ads can be quite powerful. YouTube with retargeting on AdWords can be quite powerful and so on. So it really depends on the instability of Google. You know, if we have more scenarios like we had this year with massive shifts, then I could see some people be like, well, I'm going to reboot, but I'm not going to reboot with just Google. I'm going to reboot with Google and YouTube or Google and Pinterest, etc. And people just doing more hybrid business models rather than putting all their eggs in one basket after being burned, you know? So I think, uh, do you have one more? I see, I, see, I see you have one more in the list. So. 
Yeah, I actually have one more. So, and this is a short one. I think Gutenberg, so the WordPress Gutenberg editor will be good. And I think lots of people will adopt it and it will become a really sort of key part of what we do as marketers yeah. in terms of organizing, structuring, displaying our, our content online. I think lots of people will start building on top of that platform to make all sorts of cool widgets. And yeah, we'll see a lot of really good looking content starting to come out in 2019. And I think that's going to be a, a sort of push for everyone to up their game in, in that regard as well. Yeah, it's funny that you're saying that right now, because I'm going to full disclosure here. Mark is going on holiday soon, so we're recording this podcast on December 5th. But tomorrow, December 6th, actually WordPress version 5.0 is releasing to everyone and auto-updating for a lot of people. And a lot of people are really, really scared at the time at which we're recording this, this podcast. I don't know if you've read this stuff, but a lot of plugins are not ready for this update of WordPress. So a lot of th things might break tomorrow. And as you're saying this, <laughs> everyone's going to hate Gutenberg at the time at which the podcast is going to be released. So like, you're taking your risk for like as soon as the podcast is, is released here. Let's see what happens. Yeah, um, that, that may happen. I would say that in, by this time next year, so in December 2019, all of that will be forgotten and people will, will love it. Yeah, I like it too. I, and I really like the fact that it's like open source. You can create your own blocks, et cetera, to a point where I'm like, yeah, we don't need a page builder for blog posts anymore. Really not. And even like the new blog posts I'm writing on Atoya Hacker, et cetera, they'll be all on Gutenberg actually. Might as well switch now. And it does the job. It, it's great. For, for full pages, like your, for your homepage, et cetera, it's not good enough. Uh, page builders are still useful, but for blog posts, eh, it's, it's, it's enough. And I don't think you need more. And it's just going to keep your site much cleaner and leaner. That's why I'm quite excited to start new sites with this, but uh, we've mentioned that in a previous podcast. So I think to finish this podcast, recordings from other people who we've asked their opinion on what's coming next year. So what do we have lined up, Mark? This is Matt Diggadine. Here's my predictions on 2019 and what's going to be going down in SEO. I think, first off, I think search results are going to start to get better. I feel like right now, especially after this August update and subsequent tremors after that, they've been working a lot on search intent and making sure that queries are getting properly answered. And I feel like they're experiencing or were experiencing a lot of growing pains for that. And a lot of websites are ranking that probably shouldn't be ranking at this point in time. And I think... Things will start shifting around. I think people that feel like they were improperly penalized or lost rankings will start to see stuff getting ironed out and shifting happening around in the opposite direction that they've gone so far. All right. Thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I thought you were playing the whole thing. Uh, I mean, it's kind of what we said for the update, to be honest, that things will iron out. But to, but, to be uh, fair, we did listen to Matt's thing before we created our own list. So maybe we were... I, I don't feel bad about that because I, I said it in Chiang Mai SEO, actually. I also said that, that things I run out when new updates come out. Like I, well, a lot of people were asking me about this in the, in the conferences. And I was like, you know, when new Google updates come, winners, losers, and then eventually just all smoothies out and nobody cares about Panda Penguin anymore. He, like, we both agree, but like, it wasn't taken from him. I have some witnesses for this. All right. Okay. I believe you. Let's listen to the second one. I also unfortunately think that there's going to be more manual penalties in 2019. If we look at the subsequent years before 2018, like um, 2016 and 17, 
we typically saw only maybe one or possibly two rounds of manual penalties. And in 2018, I can't even count how many there's been. There's been five or six. So I feel like they're beefing up or at least giving more responsibility or more opportunities for their manual review spam team to, to do their thing. So unfortunately, I think we're going to see that trend continuing to rise and we're going to be seeing more penalties in 2019s in terms of unnatural links and pure spam and that kind of stuff. This is, this is an interesting one. I haven't seen or really seen anyone that I know uh, suffer an unnatural link penalty, like a manual action in four or five years, something like that. So I, I don't really know too much about this. Are you familiar with it at all? I mean, I know Charles Rhodes is completely de-indexed. <laughs> I know Cal Roof now is completely de-indexed after ranking that Lorem Ipsum page. I don't know if you know about that. But essentially, Cal Roof, a friend of ours, who is the person that's going to talk after Matt Diggity? He just made Lorem Ipsum pages rank for Rhino, Rhinoplasty, Plano, I think. And some guy wrote about it on Search Engine Journal and Google read this and de-indexed all his sites. So they do happen. <laughs> They've happened to several people we know. But the thing is, like, because we tend to use cleaner link building tactics than some of these guys. We don't really have this problem. And I think because we also network with a lot of people that do similar things to us, we hear less about it. But if you were more in the like, you know, hardcore PBN stuff, people who are in casinos and stuff, you'd hear more about it. And it's happening in these circles, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't say that we're completely immune to this in the, you know, quote unquote, white hat circles. Because there's definitely kind of like a lot, like like we said earlier with the the bad or the uh, lower quality outreach links, there's definitely some kind of risk there that this can get sort of transferred over at some point in the future as well. It's not just because you're doing white hat that you're completely immune to this because some I mean, of the white hat is, Google decides what they think is good. Yeah. 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 Um, as, as Charles would say, there's no, no such thing as white hat anyway. So Oh my God, so many debates about this. Like every time we talk, it's like, I'm like, no, what it is when there's editorial review for the site. If the site owner has reviewed your content and puts it on his site knowing what is on your page, then that's acceptable. That's what Matt has said. And he's like, no, as long as you're taking action to build a link, this is not white hat. And then it never ends. And then we're like, let's talk about Overwatch. Um, All right. (laughs) Well, let's move on to the third one, which actually Matt talks about this as well. This is the third point. I also think that people are going to really need to revamp their link strategies. As it stands right now, I think some of the gray hat link strategies have kind of evolved to the point where they're not really triggering any manual reviews or any kind of penalties, so to speak. But a lot of like the white hat standards that we've had so far, like, for example, reaching out to websites that have a page on their, their site that says write for us or guest posts and stuff like that, I think Google is making some actions against them because their standards for getting away with building links haven't evolved to the point that all the gray hats have had to. So I think people are going to need to look at the kind of white hat outreach links that they're getting and maybe have to change their standards with regards to that. Another warning there then? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's funny for guest posting because essentially when... Google started cracking down on my blog guest, et cetera, the stuff I mentioned earlier. They were more tight on guest posting quality than they are today. So these sites that had like write for us pages, et cetera, they used to be flagged. I mean, a lot of these sites were flagged and they would be toxic links at the time. Like It's like now Google tends more to ignore the links they don't like, but at the time they were literally just making you rank lower for having these things. And it feels like they just relaxed on these. 
And just what Matt's Matt saying is they will go back to this, which I can definitely see happening, especially if they're taking more kind of snowballs, right? If Google's taking more manual action against PBN type links, et cetera, and like pure spam actions, et cetera, then people are just going to turn back to like easy outreach, you know? And then as they do that, then the crowds are moving towards these like lower quality white hat things. And then as a result, Google starts looking at this, you know? So yeah, I think that's quite possible. Uh, I think there's also a risk with that though. If you're Google and then you suddenly start penalizing everyone who's doing like below average white hat link building, what are those people going to do instead? Are they all going to do white hat outreach in a high quality way that Google wants them to? Probably not. I think there's also a risk of like splitting the uh, the the undesirables into more undesirables and some semi-desirables in, in a way like that. So it'd be interesting to see, that's for sure. Yeah, but you know, that could come with that big link building update as well, all this stuff, you know, like you could see you could see how Google rules something similar to what they've done with the Medic update that touches links, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like all of a sudden, like plenty of your links are like toxic or like not counting anymore. Even if it's just not counting anymore, you're dropping rankings, you know? And like nobody really understands what it is and they just roll it out all together. And then we don't, it, same as the Medic update, it's really hard to explain the same way it seems to be mostly about on page, but we don't know exactly what the factors are, you know? Okay, so let's see. Let's listen to his fourth point. And lastly, I think that we're going to see more algorithm updates in 2019. The frequency that we're getting year after year is getting more and more crazy. And I think that they're going to continuously be confusing AF. Like we're done with the days of simple algorithm updates where it was just about one single thing at a time. These days, they're going to be more and more complicated. So I think it's a fool's errand to try to figure out, okay, what was this latest algorithm update about? What can I do to just tweak that one thing that's going to fix my site? I think that's a fool's errand. It's a big pitfall. I think instead what people are going to have to do, and I've said this before, is you got to just do all the things. You have to be a very well-rounded SEO. You got to have solid on-site SEO. Your content needs to be on point. You have have to have a technically sound site. You need to optimize to the T you got to build badass backlinks and you got to do it better than everyone else. And I think looking at SEO holistically and doing all the things going forward, the people that take that approach and don't try to be a one pick, one trick pony, these are the guys that are going to win. What do you think? I think it's a case of when you don't know what's going on, control the controllable and do those things well. Maybe it's a kind of warning sign or something to when all these algorithm updates are, are occurring and it's you don't really know how to fix them specifically, it's to go actually go back and relook at the things which you do know, which you can control, which you do know how to do, and do those in a better way or make sure you've been doing them. Uh, a good example, I think, is for us, like we really dropped the ball until fairly recently with on-page SEO. Like it was mm. just a complete afterthought, really. One good thing that's come out of these updates this year is that it's really forced us to go and relook at and reevaluate our approach to that and start to improve it. We still have a way to go with that, but uh, we're at least going in the right direction with it now. So I think it's a valid point. Yeah, it's it's just, yeah, you got to do everything. Do multiple updates, let's see what happens. I think it's, we're going to start the year with just more medic updates slash smoothing the whole thing. And then there might be another big one next year. Yeah, usually they come together, like two or three together. So... Let's see what happens. It's going to be interesting. We have Kyle as well, right? Yep. Here's Kyle's suggestion. Uh, we have Kyle Roof. Rather. Hey, 2019. It's me, 
Kyle Roof. Uh, you might hear a lot about AI and machine learning and how Google might be the best stretch forward of the MBA. But I'm here to tell you that none of those are important. If you just focus on good on-page and building relevant backlinks and get back to basics, you're going to do way better than anybody focusing on Google as the best stretch forward in the NBA. If you can follow that advice, I think 2019 will be a great year for you. All good things. <laughs> Love, Kyle. I think that's quite funny because he's basically saying, don't listen to anything we said in today's podcast. Just go and do what you know already works and do more of it. I mean, today's podcast doesn't really force you to change things. It's just trying to think, no, it's just trying to understand what's going to happen, you know? So I don't think today's podcast is like the most actionable podcast we've ever done. It's just a fun one. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> so I'm okay with that. What, I, what is very interesting with what Cal say is, and it's something that we are guilty of as well. It's like many times we've just tried to be too smart, you know? And and it's really an analysis I've done after checking uh, Atari Hacker, actually. It's, it's very infuriating for me because we're trying to create content that is not out there. We're trying to create stuff that you haven't read before so that it's interesting for the audience. Except Google is essentially punishing you for that. Google wants to see exactly what it's seeing on page one this year. It feels like since Hummingbird, and it's just more and more intense these days, that if it's a top 10 list article ranking on page one, and it's usually like you see four or five, you won't see just one. Then what you need to do for that keyword, it's not a tutorial, it's not a video, it's a top 10 list article, a top 15 list article, but a list article. And you just need to do exactly that if you want to show up on this page, which is very interesting because that's what we do on like our, what I would call our purely commercial sites, like our real authority sites, the portfolio stuff we run. We're very pragmatic about how we create content. We're like, this is what's ranking. Let's do something similar. Let's inspire ourselves, but let's try to put more production value behind. But on Atari Hacker, we haven't done that. We've just said, let's do whatever we want. We think we're, we're smarter. We know this stuff better. We're doing this every day. And so many times we've written things that are completely different that, than what is on page one. And these pages, despite the fact that they took so much effort, are just not being rewarded by Google. And so what Cal's saying is just like, Google your keyword, look at what's ranking, do the on-page stuff you know, do the link building stuff you know, do the basic stuff, don't try to be smart, and you'll do well. And I agree with him, even though it's hurting me that it works that way. It's like it's making the job so much less interesting. So thank you, Google, for that. Um, and it, that, that is my opinion. If you want to find Kyle Roof and you can't find him on Google, it's pageoptimizer.com. He's indexed, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, is one of his one of his sites, I believe. It's a really good tool, actually, Page Optimizer Pro. You've been using it quite a bit lately. Yeah, I'm testing many, so I don't really want to say anything on what I think about it yet. I want to like run hard cold data about this, but he's going to actually help me run several tests with it, and we're going to be able to share the data and so on. So uh, that should come next year. We've talked about it, and then you guys judge based on the data we get. He's a big on-page guy. He's it's very interesting. He's the the first guy ever to get de-indexed by Google for on-page optimization, which is quite interesting. It's always for links normally, but it's the first guy. So it should tell a lot about how much he knows on page and uh, how interesting his tool can be. So, okay, I guess that's it for this podcast. That was a pretty long one. Next week, we are going to do our end of the year review. So I know when we talked about the Google updates, et cetera, a lot of people wanted to hear about health ambition and our other sites and how it's going, et cetera. That is what's coming next week to kind of close the year 
And uh, we're also going to talk about the plans for 2019 and how we're going to change things based on the recent updates and so on. So it's kind of a follow-up that's coming next week. We've already recorded it, so I know what's going to be in there. But if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, drop us a review if you can, because that always helps. And we'll see you next week for the next one. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.